we are in a series, if this is your first Sunday with us, uh, in a series from the Old Testament book of Daniel. Daniel was um, a prophet of God. He was taken into captivity when he was a teenager. And uh, this was part of God's judgment on Israel for their sin. He said, for 70 years, I'm going to take you away. I'm going to scatter you. But at the end of 70 years, I'm going to bring you back. So at the beginning of 70 years, Daniel the teenager was in the presence of King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, who at the time was at the height of his empire and his power. That was chapter one. Now we're in chapter nine, and Daniel is in his 80s. The 70 years are almost up, and the great Babylonian empire is crumbling. It's been invaded. There's a new king that's been installed. And we find this. Um, elderly Daniel, this saint, Bible open, knees down, praying for mercy, because he knows that the end of the exile is about to come, come to pass. And he is convicted of sin, personal and corporate. And he prays in such a way that moves the course of history for him, for his countrymen, um, and and for all for all of human history as well, because he received a vision that would impact every tribe, people, tongue, and nation. And so, what I want us to do this morning is to receive this uh, sermon, to receive this text, not just as an interesting point of history, but as an opportunity to enter into world changing, personal personal changing prayer in the presence of Almighty God. I want our faith and confidence to increase that God is listening to us as we pray, as well as our urgency to come before God with the opportunity that we have in this life that we have, in this Sunday that we have. We don't know how many days we have, but we have an opportunity today and this morning to pray with all of our heart. That's what I'm hoping, that our faith and that our urgency would go up as we see the Almighty God act and as we see Daniel set the example. Okay, so Daniel's prayer begins where all prayer begins. If you want to pray with power and see God move, we begin with where Daniel began with, which is declaring spiritual bankruptcy. He declares spiritual bankruptcy in the presence of a holy God. Look with me at verses three through through six. And I don't want you to read this as a pious man play-acting godliness. I want you to read this as a man who has nothing to merit him in God's presence. In verse 3, Daniel gives, he's giving his testimony. He says, I, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. That's the clothes that you wear when you have nothing before God. And in fact, not only do you have nothing, you are in debt. And you are asking for him to forgive you. Verse 4, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. That's the standard. Verse 5, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your prophets, the the servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of God. 
No, Daniel is not praying as a pious man. Oh, Lord, I am so godly. I have sackcloth and ashes. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever, you anyone here has been in bankruptcy before. Where your your creditors, you're in debt, you're in debt to creditors. You haven't paid your bills. And so what your creditors do when you don't pay your bills is they come after you. They will call all hours of the night. You actually have to duck and hide and actually like hide your existence and hide your debt. And like your creditors will start to call your family members and harass them so that they will harass you to give them money. But if you want to stop the harassment and you want to come out into the broad light of day, out of the darkness, you can march in the light of day to bankruptcy court with the help of a lawyer and you can declare before your fellow human beings that you cannot pay the debt that you owe. And you entrust to the court your whole life, basically, all of your assets as well as all of your debts. And if the creditors want to come after you, they have to go to the court. And that's what Daniel is doing. He's saying, me and my countrymen are deeply in debt to Almighty God. Because, why? Because not only have we not done what we were supposed to do, we've done heinous things that we weren't supposed to do. And then when God sent prophets along, we killed the messenger. We killed and murdered and shut down and put into prison people that God had raised up to tell us the truth because we didn't like what they were saying. And it's undoubtedly going through Daniel's mind all the things that Israel had done. I mean, he's talking about generational sin, where you give each other permission to sin, group sin, where it's like, it's, it's the, what we do around here. It's, it's what we do. What they did is they sacrificed some of their children. They literally killed their children because they thought it would make the gods happier and make them more wealthy and safe. Um, terrible and heinous. Um, they were callous to the widow and the orphan. They treated the widow and the orphan as if they were non-persons who didn't exist. They didn't let them glean off the fields like you were supposed to in the, in the laws of Deuteronomy. They uh, were sexually unfaithful. <laughs> and in some cases, they were sexually unfaithful in the name of authenticity and in the name of worship. And, and they would carry out practices that would actually uh, lead to exploitation of young women who were like uh, sort of like temple prostitutes as they mixed in with the Baal religions. They were cold-hearted in their worship. They would go through the motions because it was like what you did, but they didn't care, and they didn't love God. They had cold hearts. Withholding just wages from the poor who didn't have legal recourse, uh, and then blaming the poor when they were poor. So there's a lot of sin, and Daniel is confessing all of it. The Anglican Prayer of Confession uh, gets us into this. Not with all of the messy specifics, but it starts down that direction as we pray. We confess before Almighty God that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. 
we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. That's our prayer. Um, so here's a challenge for you and I as we come into those kinds of prayers and into those kinds of moments, whether it's on Sunday or it's during the week. As we have watched the events of 2020 unfold, we have often prayed a version of the prayer of the Pharisee in Luke 19. Lord, I thank you that I am not like all of the bad people, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Lord, thank you that I am not a part of the problem that is dividing America right now. Uh, politics, uh, thank you that I'm like not dividing people and the pandemic, thank you that I'm responding in the right way and and, and as it relates to race, thank you that I'm responding, unlike some of the other people that are responding in a terrible way. Thank you and thank me that I am not part of the problem. Lord, thank you that I am not like that tax collector. Now, compare that posture with Daniel's posture in verse 7. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. Are we willing to pray us in 2020? Are we willing to pray us? To us belongs open shame. Now, Daniel is a godly man. And uh, we've learned a lot from his example. But Daniel, rightly so, is in a place of deep solidarity, deep solidarity with his people. He's praying us and we as it relates to Israel and, and her sins. It's us and we. It's not you and them. Um, he has participated in the larger sins. He's part of the problem. He's part of the system. And he's in great need of repentance. God's righteousness, Daniel, the more Daniel sees God's righteousness, the more it highlights those ways that he has been callous and he has offended God's holiness. Um, and so he's grieved, and he's declaring spiritual bankruptcy in the presence of God, and that's what fires up his prayer, okay? So here's what 2020 has revealed for some of us. Um, as a church, specifically, we have been passive in loving our neighbor. Passive. Um, we're better at clustering with our friends than we are in loving the stranger. Reaching out and loving people who are different from us. We have a, and I've preached on this before, we have a highly defined culture that's very hard to break into unless you know the rules. And so, and we've been passive in building a bridge to people who don't have a background in Christianity, don't have any interest in going to grad school, um, grew up not speaking English as their first language. We could go on. We've been passive. And we've been repenting of that this year. Um, as a country, we have seen that hatred, strife, and tribalism is a besetting sin. What's been harder for us to see is how we've participated in it together this year. Many of us have cut people off. Many of us in our hearts have written people off smugly, 
let contempt grow secretly in the recesses of our heart. And we've posted before and more than we've prayed. We've posted more than we've prayed. We've hidden posts more than we've prayed for the writer of those posts. And there's other things too. For now, let's just say it's time for us to join Daniel on our knees and declare our bankruptcy before Almighty God. His heart is to forgive. His heart is to restore. His heart is to lighten our Lord. Lord, his heart is especially for us when we have sinned. Jesus said his yoke is easy and light. And so when our hearts have been burdened and hardened by sin, his heart for us is even more tender and even more humble. He's humble in heart and he's ready to forgive. He's gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. That's why Daniel prays in the first place. That's why he can declare bankruptcy, because the judge and the creditor are the same person. God will hear his prayer, protect him from the consequences of his sin if he repents and if we repent. Um, This starts with a simple prayer. Declaring spiritual bankruptcy starts with a very simple prayer. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. Lord, I confess, fill in the blank, be specific. Lord, I confess. If you can't fill in the blank, ask the Holy Spirit to help you, and he will help you. He will help bring to mind those things that have been, without knowing it, like those bricks in the trunk of our car that make everything heavier. And not only will he help us remember, but he will help us when we confess that he will flood our system with grace and sweetness and lightness and the love of God, which passes all understanding, will, will fill and heal and help. So, Lord, I confess what? We can't skip that part. So Daniel first pleads bankruptcy. Second, he, um, he declares bankruptcy. Second, he pleads for mercy. Pleads for mercy. He doesn't ask politely for mercy. He pleads in what we might call the imperative mood. So we don't just declare that we fall short. That wouldn't be enough. We plead with God to make up the difference. We base all of this pleading on the facts of history, what he's done in the past. He's forgiven before. He's shown mercy before. He's shown himself to be a God who saves before. And so we press him in the imperative mood to do it again. There's a phrase that Chicago Bears fans use uh, when the opposing team is about to score. When the opposing team is in the red zone and about to score, Chicago Bears fans shout or sing or scream, bear down, bear down. And bear down is shorthand for stop the offense in their tracks. Force the turnover. We've seen you for decades do it again and again. We've seen you do it in the days of Bronco Nagurski. We've seen you bear down in the days of Brian Urlacher. So bear down, Chicago Bears. There's a song about the T formation. Stunned the world. Do it again, Chicago Bears. Now Daniel isn't in Soldier Field here. He's in the presence of God. 
and his prayer increases in passion the longer he's longer he prays. Notice that he, how he moves from Lord I confess to Lord do it again. Can you hear him start to wind up in verse 15? He's starting to wind up. His passion goes hotter. And now, O Lord our God, he says, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. All right, Lord. We've seen you turn wrath away when you delivered us out of Egypt. Do it again. We've seen you, Lord, turn away wrath um, and uh, save us from messes we've gotten ourselves into. Do it again. Um, It's true that we have sinned. It's also true that you have forgiven. If you've ever attended a football game or some other sports situation and your team is about to make a big play, and it's all coming down to the wire. It's coming down to the final minutes or seconds. You stand up, you throw politeness aside, and you move into the imperative mood, and you put your heart into it. Now, so, look, Daniel sees that it's all coming down to the final years, the final weeks. The 70 years of captivity are about to end. God's about to move. He's about to act. And so Daniel stands up, as it were, puts his heart into it, and pleads in the imperative mood for God to do it again. Verse 19, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. He's in a rolling boil now. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Do it again, Lord. Don't forsake us. We have your name written all over us. And your name is deliverer. Your name is savior. Your name is provider. Your name is gracious one. I uh, believe that with all my heart, the Lord is on the move in our day. Now, why do I say this? Well, um, in times, uh, times of spiritual renewal often come after times of crisis and repentance and pruning. And we've come through multiple crises this year. We've come, thank God, to the end of ourselves, the end of our strengths. And we've seen how weak we are. The church, my friends, is being purified as we speak. It's being pruned and challenged, loves. We know that the Lord is gracious and merciful and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love, and we know that he humbles us so that he can heal us. Um, People have spoken words of prophecy over Emmanuel about this, about how the Lord is on the move, about how he's about to act. And it's been at different times and in different settings, but I've been hearing about it more and more. In fact, I got a text this morning from someone, unbidden, didn't tell them about this sermon. It was a priest from another state who was praying for our church this morning. And he texted me and he said, Aaron, as I was praying for Emmanuel, I got the sense that the Lord was drawing near to your church. Be encouraged. I believe that the Lord is readying us to receive more of his spirit, a time of refreshing, a time of healing, a time of overflowing mission that has nothing to do with how hard we're trying and has everything to do with how good God is. 
So I believe that it is time for us to shake off the spiritual lethargy, to stand up in the presence of God, to get into the imperative mood, and to ask God to do what he's done before, to do it again in our day. It's time. It's time for us to open our Bibles and see what God has done in history, in, in, uh, in the world. He's acted personally. He's broken through what we ever thought he would do, and he has saved in ways that were beautiful and marvelous. Um, and so we open our Bibles and we press him to do it again. It's time for us to bring our emotions into prayer, quite frankly. Our anger, our cynicism, our desires, our grief, our bitter disappointments, and our hope. The prayers of the people make space for this. We're meant, as it were, to be on our feet together, if that's physically possible, and I'm talking also about people at home. This is not meant to be a polite formality for Anglicans who like liturgy, although it's a wonderful liturgy. Liturgy means the work of the people, and I want you to work in prayers of the people, my friends. I want you to work. I want you to bring all of your heart and your passion into these prayers because we are contending together before the throne of grace. We are listening. We are ready to act. We are ready to obey. Um, Here are some things that we can be pleading for in the presence of God. And the first one is a surprise to me because it's been a weak point in my life, my whole life. But even in my life, I'm seeing God break something open by his spirit. I'm seeing him break it open for our church. I'm getting all kinds of stories just of, of something happening around this. I'm also hearing stories from our diocese, which, are, which is our spiritual family of churches. More and more stories, and that is around evangelism, which Anglicans have not been good at. Um, so this is knowing sharing, knowing the unchurched, and in authentic, non-pressured ways, seeking to bless them with the love of Christ. Bringing the gifts of the church to them as they are ready to receive it through a question, a meal, our friendship. Praying for them, listening to them, sharing our story, our testimonies. It's already happening, and it's not because we're trying hard. It's because God's on the move. Um, So the Lord has in times past brought in waves of the harvest of the unchurched. And there's almost nothing more renewing for a church but to experience when other people are seeing the gospel for the first time and coming into the church and experiencing the love of Christ and the family of God. And before that, they were out in the cold. And they didn't know what it was like to know the love of God, to be right with God, to be part of the family of God. And I believe that our Lord is preparing us and our movement and really the larger church in Chicago for a time of evangelism. So we pray, Father, you love to show your power through our weakness, and you have people in the city you want to reach, so do it again, Lord. Do it again. We can also plead for mercy for the healing of our country, not for false unity in our country, but for the peace that comes when the Holy Spirit floods a population 
and helps them see how they specifically have contributed, how we have contributed to the division and the hatred and the enmity and the strife. And for moments of of, uh, gospel renewal to happen over a table where there's reconciliation, we say, Lord, you've done it before, do it again. The Lord, the Holy Spirit, has in the past broken down walls of enmity. He has in the past brought peace and justice between races in different countries. He has in the past provided for uh, upholding of society and a peaceful transfer of power. And so we pray for him to do it again in our country. Do it again, Lord. Have mercy on us. We don't deserve it, but you can act. So how do we pray? We declare bankruptcy. We plead the Lord's mercy. And then finally, we wait on the Lord. We wait on the Lord, which is hard for Americans to do. It's hard for city people to do. It's hard to wait. At some point in prayer, we stop talking and we start listening. Much of prayer is paying attention to God, what he's saying and what he's doing. And then based on what God is saying and doing, that fuels more prayer. It's a conversation. Okay, so at home and here, do you have a writing instrument on you? A pencil, a pen? Okay, it's okay if you don't. If you do, get it out. Get out a writing instrument. Great. And um, look with me at verses 20 through 23 and see if you can pick out times, situations that God is acting. God's activity, God speaking, God acting, God responding. You ready? Verse 20, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in a swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out. And I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. And he goes on to explain a vision. So did you do any underlining? Did you see God at work? Um, Verse 21, God sends a representative. As soon as Daniel started praying, God said, bring Gabriel over here. I have uh, some world history. Uh, to give to him, to give to Daniel. God immediately began to work in response to Daniel's prayer, summons Gabriel, sends Gabriel, and here he comes in a swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. What's more, God provided understanding and insight for Daniel in verse 22, which is a gift God regularly gave Daniel. He had, the, he had like a spiritual gift involving wisdom and insight. Okay, and still true in his 80s. And then verse 23, God communicated his great love for Daniel. Daniel, you are greatly loved. That's why I'm here. You are greatly loved. It's not because of anything special you've done. I I love you in a great, great way. So do you see how God is speaking? God is loving? That God was listening to Daniel from the very beginning? Do you know how God was answering Daniel's prayer? He was preparing to send his son to be a Messiah, a savior of Israel, who would be utterly, utterly cut off in a way that you and I can't really understand how tormenting it was. 
how it was an absolute black hole of of hell and death and torment for our Lord Jesus. And he did that willingly as a response to Daniel's prayer because you and I are dearly loved. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And it was, a, it was an incredibly mind-blowing, history-shaking response to Daniel's prayer. If God answered that prayer in that way, what prayers won't he respond to? What won't he give? We have such low expectations for the living God. He sent his son. What, what more can he give? Why don't we start watching for God to act, for God to speak, for God to move, for, for God to carry out the consequences of Jesus' death and resurrection and ongoing prayers for us in our day and in our time. He cares about our world just as much in 2020 as he did in Daniel's day. Here are some ways to do this. Really basic way, silence. Just silence in the presence of God. The psalmist says, my soul waits for the Lord as the watchman waits for the morning. I'm waiting for the Lord. Just like that watchman is waiting for the sun to come up expectantly, alert. Silence is the way that we absorb God's love. You can't be loved quickly. You can't microwave love. The best kinds of love that we receive are in those pockets of silence. Um, you are greatly loved. And silence is a, is a way to say yes to that love that you have from God. Um, you know, we write down our requests. That's one way to watch God work. Listen for him to act. Is we write down things that we really need, that we actually need, that we actually want. And then we see how he responds. We see the beautiful, mind-blowing ways that he decides to respond to our prayers. And we ask the Holy Spirit, really, to speak to us directly with the scriptures open. God, speak to me through your scriptures. Speak to me through an image or a word, maybe for myself or for someone in my life. Now, look, all the while Daniel was praying, God was preparing an answer more beautiful and more powerful than he could ask or imagine. And, and Jesus helps us pray now. He gives us words when we can't even remember what to say. And he gives us um, authority before God to pray with boldness. Um, so we wait on God. We hear him speak. We watch him act. And we stay on our knees. We have been a lot, through a lot in the year 2020. We've been through a lot. As we near the end of this year, I want you to know something. I pray for you because I'm your priest. It is my joy and my job to intercede for you and for our church. So if you have a way that I can be praying for you, people watching, I'm talking about you also. Tell me so that I can pray specifically for you. That's what priests do. Now, if you are here and you're a baptized Christian, you're watching this, you're a baptized Christian, I want you to know something. You are also priests in the Lord. We believe in the priesthood of all believers here, that there's a special way that you intercede 
for your life, for people in your life, for your world. God has made you priests in your neighborhood. God has made you priests in your families. God has made you priests in your friend groups. God has made you priests in your classroom. And it is your joy and your job to intercede for your people like Daniel prayed for his. We have a church-wide day of prayer and fasting coming up on Tuesday, November 10th, two days away. And I don't want to just pray for you. I want to pray with you. We'll declare bankruptcy together. We will plead mercy together, and we will wait on the Lord together. There's going to be three times in the day, as Anglicans do, to pray, morning, noon, and evening. And um, you'll be led accordingly. I would love to see you on those calls. I really would. I encourage you, I urge you, in the imperative mood, dare I say, to fast and pray with me on Tuesday. This has been quite a year. And in our moment of national crisis and personal pain, this is our time. This is our day. This is our moment to pray together. This is our moment to see God respond with mercy and grace. This is our moment to see him act in ways that far exceed all that we could ask or imagine. To him, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.